are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all up at the mills as well today. Happy New Year from all of us uh, here in Oakmont to all of you there at the mills and happy new year to all of you here this morning. And to those of you listening by podcast, we're thrilled to have you as well. I want to ask you if you would to take out your notes that you'll find in your bulletins today as we kick off a brand new message series entitled Pursue. And we're really focusing in this particular series on the idea of getting past our past. And over the next several weeks, we'll be exploring several different ways as we take time during a new year to look back and we think about all the things that we've experienced over the past year. We look forward. It's a time of reflection where we think about the good and the bad and the ugly, the joys and the griefs uh, over the course of a year, the successes and the failures. For those of you who are new today or are newer and maybe weren't here last fall in the month of September, we did another series then entitled Pursue, and our theme verse for that series is the same verse you'll find on the front of the small group catalog. It's kind of our theme verse for the entire year, uh, running September through August of this coming year. And uh, the idea with this is what David wrote in the Psalms, Psalm chapter 23 and verse 6, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And during that series back in the month of September, we looked at the prophet Hosea, an Old Testament prophet. If you're listening by podcast, you can go back in our archives and find that series. And we really focused on the idea of God's pursuit of us, how he is constantly and for the whole of our lives pursuing us and looking for us to have relationship with us. And we can't outrun him. We try sometimes and we look back in our past and we see some of those seasons where we were running from God, but he has always been pursuing us not to get us in a bad way, but instead to have relationship with us, to love us and to care about us. And so in this series, we want to try to take a look at the other side of that. God pursues us first, but then we have a responsibility to pursue him back. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And to be able to fully pursue him back, we've got to get past our past. And specifically, I want us to focus in on our failures today. Because failures cling to us like baggage that we can't get rid of sometimes, don't they? I was, uh, several weeks ago, I asked some of you or all of you that are on Facebook with me for some feedback about some things. And I want you to take a look at the screen and I want to show you just a few things here. And what do you think as you look at those things, this is your feedback to me, that these things have in common? Let's roll that and show that. What are you starting to get a picture of there? What are all those, those things? They're failures. Those shows didn't make it. I asked you on Facebook to give me the feedback. What were some shows that made it one, maybe two seasons, but then failed or products that failed? And there was just a list a mile long. We could have shown you more. But that's a list of things that have failed. And failure is all around us. And when we think about failure and how we move past failure, I want to be specific about the kind of failure that we're talking about here this morning. The first kind is a kind that that's, that's when we do something wrong. We morally make a decision that's just wrong. We ethically make a decision that's wrong. We cross over God's standards for our lives or society's standards. And then there's the kind of wrong where we fail to live up to expectations, the expectations of others, our spouse, 
maybe our employer or employee, maybe it's our parents or our children. And it may not be wrong, but it's still some kind of a failure. And those things can haunt our past and follow us through the course of our lives. And there's a phrase that finds our way, uh, its way into our thinking. And it's that little insidious phrase, if only. You're familiar with it, aren't you? If only I hadn't been there. If only I hadn't met him. If only I hadn't met her. If only I hadn't said that or thought that or bought that. If only I hadn't said yes or if only I'd said no. What's your if only today as 2014 begins this first Sunday of the new year? What's your if only My if only actually comes from just over the last couple of weeks. And it sounds something like this. I've got a lot of them, but most recently this one. If only I hadn't agreed to help Josh with a house project. It was really bad, wasn't it, Josh? He's right down here in the front row with me. So let's take a look at the screen. Let me show you this little house project as it got underway. Maybe. Okay. Now, just hold it up right there. Anybody know what that is? Those of you who are musicians, you probably figured it out right away. Let's show the pan out view of that. That is a guitar holder that goes onto a wall that needs to be put into studs. I have a stud finder, but apparently it doesn't work. Because it looks great there, doesn't it? It looks like a success, but I can tell you before it got there, it was a colossal, utterly awful, if only I had never agreed to do this. And I made Josh promise, never ask me. And if I say yes, find somebody else quickly. Because let's show what's on the other side, hidden on the other side right there. And it's bigger than it really looks. There's two big holes there, and they're finally filled in, and they're finally, uh, you know, painted over and all that mess. But let's just say I had to get right with God after all of that mess because I just could not get it to work right. So those of you who knew you could have done that in 10 minutes, I'm calling you next time because it was not worth it. That's my if-only failure. What's yours? If only I could win at work. If only I could achieve more success. If only I could succeed at home. Finally, I could go there, buy that, meet him, meet her. If only I could spend more time with that person. What's your if only? And if we're not careful, our failures have a way of owning us, don't they? They mess with us. They impact our thoughts and our behaviors and our decisions in negative ways that leave us feeling guilty and all alone. But the truth is, the thing that I wanted you to hear on this first Sunday of a new year is that failure does not have to own you. Failure does not have to own us. And there's a story in the Bible of a man by the name of Saul. And we're going to look at his life briefly this morning because this is a guy who had an incredible pedigree. He was wealthy. He was successful. He was powerful. He was influential. He was morally as high as you could get. Ethically, he was off the charts. He was religious. He was zealous. He loved God. 
But from another perspective, his life was a colossal failure. This teacher, pastor of his day, this leader was also a murderer and was against what Jesus had come to do. And he knew it. And we see in one of the letters that he wrote to some first followers who were living in a community by the name of Corinth, he wrote a letter to them. And this is what he says. It's in your notes and we'll put it on the screen. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That was Paul's, Saul's story. He was a persecutor. He was a murderer. And he did not even deserve to be called an apostle, one of those early church leaders that was making the church of Jesus come alive in his generation. He was a failure in his own eyes and a failure to everybody around him as it relates to this particular area of his life. That was his story, and the truth is that all of us here and up at the mills today, we have a story as well. So many people that I talk with are saddled with guilt over the past. We're all on a journey. We've all experienced failure, have we not? Let's just look around the room here, and I can see your hands up at the mills. If you've experienced failure, then you're in the same boat. And Paul had to face the fact that he had been a part of murdering Jesus' followers. How did he get over that guilt? How did he get over that shame and that failure? Look at what he says in verse 10 of chapter 15. He says, but even though I don't deserve to be an apostle, even though I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. What are you, Paul? What are you, Saul? I'm totally forgiven. I'm blameless, I'm faultless, I'm guiltless before a God who loves me. By the grace of God, he says, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. In other words, it was not without results. The great news for every single one of us in all of our services today is that our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. And you may know that up here, but my prayer is is that you'll get it in here. And if you're exploring faith today, if you're exploring what a relationship with Jesus could look like for you, you need to hear that today. Your biggest mistakes, your biggest failures are never too big for the grace of our Heavenly Father. And if we understand our failure, and if we come to God, and we agree with Him about our failure, then a beautiful thing can happen. Godly sorrow, Paul would write later in the book of 2 Corinthians brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. He says that godly sorrow brings repentance. What in the world is repentance? That means I own my failure. I confess it to God. I confess it to others. I take responsibility from it, and I turn from it. I own it, I confess it, and I turn from it. That's what godly sorrow brings about. Godly sorrow isn't just the sorrow that I got caught. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow says, I own it, I confess it, I take responsibility from it, and I turn away from it and to God. And that, he says, leads to salvation. It leads to restoration, it leads to freedom, and it leads to a clean conscience. And when we feel guilt, you need to hear this today. If you're feeling guilty, that's not from God. Our enemy specializes in guilt. 
Our Heavenly Father convicts, and there's a difference. The conviction of the Holy Spirit leads us to godly sorrow and repentance, and that's what brings change. He does not pour on accusations designed to produce self-loathing and self-condemnation. And God instead wants to break the chains of past failures in your life and in mine, the poor decisions, the beliefs that we've had, the compromises, and the deceptions that we've had in order to bring us to the point of godly sorrow. Because the truth is, we are not defined by what we do. We are defined by who God says we are. And Paul knew that. He experienced that in his own life. Look at what he says, again, writing to the church in Corinth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's good news for every single one of us. We are new in Christ. This verse explains that our identity is not based upon what we have done, but rather who God says we are. He would go on in the book of Ephesians and he would write to those believers, for we are God's, look at that next word, masterpiece. Think about the person sitting next to you. They are a masterpiece from God. They are a new creation. If they've made this decision to follow Christ, if they've been transformed as the apostle Saul would be and become the apostle Paul, they are masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And my prayer is that for those of you who are in chains, because of past failures, that you will be freed today. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you're in bondage because of something that happened in your past, and there's a failure, there's a poor decision, there's a poor... Um, track that you went down, a path that you went down, that you don't have to live under the condemnation of our enemy any longer, but that as you begin a new year, you can move past your failure so that you can pursue the heavenly call of God upon your life. And if you're not a believer yet in Christ, if you're here and somebody invited you and you said, yeah, it's the first of the year, I'll come check out a church environment. My prayer for you is the exact same thing, that you would have a revelation of how much God loves you and how much his grace is pursuing you and how much his mercy is coming after you so that you would turn your life over to him and you would say, I want to be a new creation. I want this power that changed Saul's life to change my life and that you could embrace that today. And may your thoughts about you, believer and those of you that are still exploring, be transformed by the power of God's love so that you can think differently about yourself, that you could have a fresh revelation of your identity in Christ. May the Holy Spirit's truth about you and your value break through the lies that you believe that have caused you to live in such a way to hurt yourself and to hurt others. May the deception in the name of Jesus in now in both locations in our lives if we've bought into those lies. So do you belong to Christ? Has there been a point where you have asked the Lord to help you to no longer be defined by what you do and instead be defined by who he says you are? Ask for his grace, ask for his forgiveness, ask for his direction to move past the past so that you can pursue him because you can't change the past, but you can 
Look to God because he can change your future. Look at what would happen to this guy named Saul. He's persecuting the church. He's on his way to go and arrest some first followers of Jesus. And Jesus knocks him off his horse literally on the road to Damascus. And Jesus has a conversation with him face to face and says, Saul, your life's about to change. Here's what he says. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This face-to-face encounter leaves him blind, and he goes into the city, and he's totally lost. He doesn't know what to do. And so God sends another believer. His name was Ananias. And Ananias was a little reluctant to go. But Jesus showed up in his life and said, I want you to go. And so he goes. And here's what Jesus says to him. For Saul is my, look at those next two words, chosen instrument. You mean, Jesus, you're going to choose a guy who's been murdering and arresting and getting, totally going against your wishes? You're going to choose him? Yep, I sure am. And that's exactly what he's in the business of doing. My chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings and as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. It was shortly after this that we see that Saul's name was changed to Paul. He was given a new identity in Christ. And as I said earlier, God is still in the business of redeeming broken lives our shattered lives. He's about restoring the messes that we've made and he's actively pursuing us for his purposes, whether we see him all around us or not. He's there. And once Saul got a hold of this, once it transformed him from the inside out, he was able to pen these words that find the focus of where we're going to head over these next several weeks. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes to this first followers group in Philippi. He says, I'm not saying that I have all this together that I haven't made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. He had been transformed by Jesus. He was pursuing Jesus. He had experienced this new creation in Christ, and he was going hard after Christ and his will. He says, I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases that there. In other translations, you'll see the phrase, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Pastor Ray Green says that that statement, that statement of forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, is about giving inattention to something. We can't totally forget what's been done. We'll struggle to erase the failures from our memories. Our minds are a storehouse of knowledge. But we can stop looking at the file. We can stop focusing on the file. The file failures might be on our desktop somewhere. We don't have to keep clicking and going in and looking at all of our failures. We can stop looking at them 
We don't have to pull them up. We can trash them. We can throw them in the delete box. We can acknowledge that we've messed up, that our addictions and that our decisions and that our choices that have hurt us and have hurt others, that they were wrong. We can acknowledge those things. But then we can acknowledge that God is able to bring about good for his ultimate purposes in our lives. Because failure is a predicament. It is not a person. Failure is not your name. God is here today to set you free from your failures. Those of you that are listening on the podcast, you can pull over right now and begin to ask God to begin to free you from your failures. What failures do you need to stop giving attention to? What failures do you need to intentionally give inattention to? What failures do you need to throw in the trash and empty the trash? Failure is not your name. I want you in both locations, and if you're listening on the podcast, to say this with me aloud. Failure is not my name. Could you do that with me? Failure is not my name. Let's do it again. Failure is not my name. I want you to look at the person around you there, and I want you to tell them up at the mills as well. Failure is not my name. Your life is worth living. We're glad that you're here today. If you've come in on the last leg of your life and you're looking at this and you're saying, I'm empty, I'm broken, I'm shattered, I'm a mess, and I don't want to go on anymore, you need to hear this today. Failure is not your name. We're glad that you're here. You have worth. Teenagers, you have worth. You have value. We're thrilled that you're here today, here and up at the mills. In fact, we're so thrilled, we're throwing a party tonight. Seven o'clock, junior hires, senior hires, going to blow the hinges off the new space at Parkside, the Nexus facility there where the kids are going to be worshiping the Lord Jesus. Seven o'clock, I hope you won't miss it. We value you. We want you here. We want you there. Somebody you know of needs to experience the grace of God, teenagers, invite them to come tonight. They will experience the risen Christ. Parents, we're glad you're here. You have worth. Grandparents, singles, couples, every single one of us. Failure is not your name. Failure causes problems. It creates predicaments that we find ourselves in. But ultimately, that is not what defines us. It is our identity in Jesus and the name that we bear on in him that defines us. When Paul was set free from the past, what was his response? We see it right here. It's our verse, verse thir- uh, 14 of Philippians 3. He says, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by, heavens, by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm pursuing all that Jesus has for me. No matter where that takes me, no matter what I will endure, I'm pursuing Jesus because he has pursued me. He has transformed me. I am no longer stuck in my past. The past failures, the past mistakes, the past decisions that have wrecked my life, that have hurt now, are gone in Jesus' name. And now I'm pursuing him. 
and Him alone. And we've all failed, haven't we? Both in how we've lived our lives spiritually and how we've not met the goals perhaps that have been set for us. And we can get past our failures through God's forgiveness and a new priority on His love in our lives. So as we begin this new year, I want to challenge us in both locations to put the past behind us and pursue God's heavenly call. Next week, you heard it here, and I'm sure Bill shared it with you at the mills. We're going to be signing up for small groups. You'll have an opportunity to pursue the heavenly call of God with others around you. That's what you were made for. We don't take that lightly. That's very serious. You weren't made to look at the back of each other's heads. You were made to be in circles, in relationship with others. You need one another. So come next Sunday. If you can't be here next Sunday for any reason, email the small group leaders, call them, tell them you're going to be in their group so they'll know that you're there, and we'll start the next week. There's opportunities for you to get spiritual coaching, to be one-on-one coached spiritually through the Learning to Follow Jesus materials. We've got them here and down around the front and also up at the mills around the altars there. You can have somebody else one-on-one help you as you pursue that high call. That's what Paul would do. He would disciple uh, Timothy. He would disciple uh, Barnabas. He would disciple Silas one-on-one in relationships. That's exactly what we want to do as well. We're challenging you to begin this year in prayer and fasting. If you'll take out of the bulletins, the notes in both locations that talk about the fasting resources for this year, this is something that's become a staple at the beginning of each year here at Riverside that we want to invite you into. We don't determine for you what you're going to fast or when you're going to fast or how long you're going to fast. We believe that's an individual decision. You may decide to fast with your family. We may, you may decide that you want to pray and fast um, with your small group or with some other folks that you're close to. However that is fleshed out for you, we just want to invite you to begin to recenter your life begin by praying and fasting. Yesterday, I posted a picture on Pastor Bill's uh, Facebook page. My wife uh, saw a post from the Oakmont Bakery that poochkies are right uh, coming very quickly this week. And for those of you who were here recently, you, uh, over the last year, you know Pastor Bill was enlightening us all on poochkies. How many of you remember that? Yes? Okay. Well, no poochkies for you, Bill. The fast is on. So, uh, However you choose to fast, whatever you choose to fast, some of you will fast food, some of you will fast electronics or maybe television, some of you will fast um, other things that I'm not even thinking of right now, but what we want to do is put these resources in your hands so you know there's one-day fasts, there's one-meal fasts, there's three-day, seven-day, 21-day, all different kinds. The point of this is not just to diet, it's to pray and to seek God and to say, Lord, I want to put into practice what I've heard today. I want to pursue the heavenly call that you have placed on my life. And I want to realign my life to your purposes and to your plans. And I want to set aside some time to pray and to fast and to seek your will so that I can get past my past, that my failures don't have to um, be held on to me any longer. They don't have to be baggage that weigh me down, but that I can move forward. I'm going to invite in uh, Oakmont here, our communion servers to prepare to head uh, and distribute the elements in just a few moments. At the mills, you're going to be taking the elements in the... You'll be going to the corners. Pastor Bill will give you further instructions as to exactly how you're going to receive the elements today. But as we wrap this up, I want to invite us to pray together. 
Because God has some important words to us about failure and the failures that we face in our lives. In the book of First John, one of those disciples of Jesus would write these words. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and, for, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's in the business when we agree with him about our failures. He's in the business of redeeming us. So as we confess those things to him, he's promised to forgive us and to purify us. And then the prophet Jeremiah, speaking to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, he would say that through the, on behalf of the Lord, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more as they confess their sin to me. So right now in both locations, I just want to invite you to bow your hearts and I'm going to pray and then I'll turn it over to Bill and Chad and the worship team there. We'll continue here in Oakmont. Lord, I'm thankful for this new year, for a fresh start, a clean slate. Lord, I'm thankful that you don't view us as failures. You define us completely different. We find our identity in you. You've adopted us as your sons and your daughters. For those of us, Lord Jesus, that have put our faith and our trust in you, thank you, Lord, that we can come to this table as members of your family with repentant hearts and find change and freedom and wholeness. We can find the courage that we need to live this coming year in a way that would glorify you. I pray for us as we pray and as we seek you and as we fast, there would be breakthroughs. I pray, Lord, for those as well that are exploring faith in you. They're here today because maybe they walked by a mall entrance and they've walked into a church. Maybe they were driving along here in Oakmont and saw some people gathering and they stopped in. Maybe they looked online or somebody brought them. And today they're going to invite you to help them to move beyond their past, to not be defined by failure, but to find freedom and wholeness in you, Lord Jesus. Help them to put their faith in you. Help them to put their trust in you. For all of us here, Jesus, we confess our sin to you. We ask you to cleanse us, purify us, forgive our wickedness and remember our sins no more. Help us to be able to move past the failures, to move forward in our relationship with you, with others. Help us to do what's necessary to make things right, to own it, to confess it, and to turn from it. Thank you for Saul's example, who became Paul, as we become new men and women, young and old, everywhere in between. Would you apply again to us your grace and your mercy? We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.